Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Hey, this is Chad. Welcome to my top five picks of 2021. This is actually the very first best of Chad and Cheese podcast we have ever pulled together. So with this podcast episode, I wanted to curate and stitch together moments in time that would be incredibly valuable to talent acquisition leaders and vendors alike. We're starting off the top five of 2021 with an excerpt from a podcast entitled Burn, Build, Rinse, and Repeat with JCK that dropped just in August. This excerpt highlights something that I cannot beat my drum loud enough about, and that is the symbiotic relationship TA should have with marketing. It's not just about ownership of an employment brand. Rather, it's about holistic impact on revenues through getting the best candidates. But in this case, we're just going to nail down the basics as Jenny Cody Kangas, a.k.a. JCK, Director, Digital Experience and Talent Acquisition at Regis Corp., talks about some of the foundational advantages about building such a partnership with marketing and she kindly shares a fail slash learning moment as well. Enjoy. Do you work internally with marketing or, or your agency? Is that something you're doing now or thinking about? Oh, 100%. So if you don't, if anybody listening to this doesn't work closely with your marketing internally, y'all go start right now because they should be your best friend and figure out a way to work with them. Amen, sister. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, when we're looking at what converts and multi-source attribution and telling stories with numbers, our, our marketing counterparts have done that for a lot longer than we have. And we can learn a lot from them. I mean, one of my really good friends, Mike Lewis, he owns a company that essentially it's customer journey optimization um, and tells you what's converting and what's what touches are going to convert versus others. Um, and it's like, you guys, and he's taught me pretty much all that I know a lot about this space. And it's allowed me to, to play a lot faster in, in kind of the recruiting world. But like at the end of the day, you need those collaborations because... You know, you guys play for the same same team. It's the the name in the front, not the team in the back. And so 
Um, I work very closely with our internal marketing teams. We've gone through a lot of changes. We had a, a pretty significant restructuring kind of here recently. And um, now uh, marketing sits very differently, but I'm very, very, very thankful to our internal marketing marketing friends. Any success stories that you can share? One of our first initial conversations was really just about like, okay, well, we're, we're planning on putting um, additional content in one of these channels. And I looked at the channel mix and they said, yeah, LinkedIn's not on there. And that's a problem. And she, they, they had said like, well, what do you mean? Silas are not on LinkedIn. And I said, yep, checking your design bias there because I was hard on LinkedIn. <laughs> and also like, it's free to storytell on there. I'm talking about like traditional just storytelling. Yeah. And that's the first place that we should be leveraging before like the last. And so just that conversation, I think, really, really helped too. So they went back and, and re-strategized and um, we're working with some outside agencies to help us build out what that storytelling piece looks like. But I think that was a really, really good That's start. I, uh, I learned my lesson to check with marketing first. So, so here's a fun story. Uh, working with one of our vendors who is putting together a video of the technology that we've built. So I brought franchisees to the table. Last, I, I was originally brought in to solve a tech problem. And when I came in, you know, and started to look into like, what's the problem, I first asked like, what's going on here? Instead of just like hitting the gates running and came to find the technology we had was broken, but there was underlying issues if we weren't handling recruiting right. And if we didn't get that right on the front end of our, of our experience or at least calibrate the problem that like, hey y'all, recruiting is important. If you want to have like somebody to serve your customers, when um, in search of while I was fixing the technology, went in search of technology to start to build to meet our needs. And so brought our franchisees to the table to build that because ultimately I can guess, but I probably will get it wrong. <laughs> and so over the last nine months, we've essentially sharpened a pretty cool tech and um, we went to make a video for that technology because it's essentially like Alexa for recruiting. And conceptually, people just can't understand it or wrap their head around it. And so we went to make a video. I got the franchise that was local to the table. I got the franchise consultant in the mix. Like here I thought I was stepping and checking all the boxes. I did not connect with marketing first, which was a terrible, terrible choice. Because on the flip side, I sent the video, which was done and it was amazing, to my marketing uh leader. And she said, I'm going to send you an email. I've got a couple pieces of feedback. And I'm like, oh, crap. I get the email that's like a page long of like, this piece of collateral is three years old. This piece of collateral is five years old. Don't show that because we don't we don't offer that product line anymore. Like all of this stuff. And I was like, I turned to my, uh, my CPO and I said, lesson learned. When Oops. we film anything, we are checking with marketing first. And then second, and then third, and then we're going to film something. Nice. It's commercial time. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait. The Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about text kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, Yeah. simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities 
like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, TextKernel uh-huh. brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey. Kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs. Automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> it's showtime. Okay, so after this next podcast aired, we experienced a ton of engagement from listeners who personally reached out to us and said, these are our people. The podcast is entitled Move Fast, Break Shit, and Burn Out and dropped in March. Tracy Lovejoy and Shannon Lucas joined us to talk about their crazy awesome book, Move Fast, Break Shit, and Burn Out. And this segment hones in on how we... As leaders, identify and empower those diamond-in-the-rough employees, a.k.a. catalysts, instead of thrusting them into frustration and burnout. Enjoy. So in most cases, when you feel like you are moving at light speed, you see a lot of shit that's happening around you. You see the dots and you're connecting the dots, but most of the people that you're actually talking with and, and, and dealing with on a daily basis, um, they can't even see the dots, let alone connect, <laughs> connect them, right? So, so what we're saying is those individuals, and I, I've had that feeling my entire life, those individuals really I mean, can burn out fast, but they also have issues because it's hard to work within a team when they can't even understand what you're talking about a lot of times, because it's hard to articulate what's going on in your brain. How, as, as a leader, as a leader, how do you identify that? And how do you help that individual? Because the last thing you want to lose is an individual like that, even though they're not fitting in. What do you do? How does that work? I mean, the identification, as I mentioned earlier, when people are reading the book, as people start to understand, you know, the the highlight of what it means to be a catalyst, their brain sort of naturally goes to those people in their life because they do stand out. They show up differently. We often get called, you know, get, get named monikers like troublemaker or disruptor and not always in a positive sense, yeah. especially if we're not self-aware. To Tracy's point, you know, part of the po- point of the book is to give the catalyst themselves the skills to be less disruptive, which doesn't mean stopping change. It just means doing it in a way that brings other people along more effectively. So um, it's not hard to identify them. We work with organizations like we can have surveys and self-identification tools, et cetera, 
one thing that Tracy and I talked a lot about early on when we started this work is, do we want to be the labelers of catalysts or do we let catalysts sort of lean in and name themselves? And we came pretty heavily down on that second one. Like if the word, ca- even if you all the attributes fit you, if being a catalyst doesn't resonate with you, then then that's that's fine. And then I think there's a great question there about, you know, as a leader, how do we support them? Obviously, myself as a leader, I was a catalyst. And so I had to um, surround myself with people who could trans you know, that had catalytic capabilities, but could also help me bring the rest of the organization along. And so intentionality is a word that we use a lot in all of this work is like, how can the catalyst be more intentional about the work that they're doing? But also, how can the leaders intentionally support them, making sure that they're not spread thin chasing all of the new shiny projects or opportunities, but helping them to prioritize, um, giving them the surroundings and removing some of the barriers that might, you know, get in their way. And I think one of the key things from that perspective is psychological safety. Once catalog, you know, once organizations recognize that they have these VUCA ready people, they will send them on these heroes missions. Okay, go out into the world and figure out what we need to do next. And by definition, that's usually some kind of divergent thinking from the way the organization currently operates. So they go out, they do their vision quest, they come back, hopefully they can now clearly articulate their vision. Um, but it could cause such cognitive dissonance for how the organization operates that either the idea gets attacked or the catalyst themselves gets attacked. So it's really then incumbent on the leader to help create a space of psychological safety to have healthy conversations about which pieces of that they're going to move forward with or not. Yeah. And if they're truly catalysts, then if their idea gets attacked, they're being attacked. That's what it feels like. A hundred percent. It's almost a physical connection to that idea. That's right. And but it's interesting because catalysts generally not not universally, but generally don't go in with an agenda. You know, when they get brought into the organization or the team or if they're entrepreneurs, they're really just sensing like what's the next thing that needs to unfold here as the dots are connecting, as they're doing the sense making. It's not like it's their horse in the race until they are convinced and have the data, you know, that that is the right thing to do. And we can be arrogant about that. Let's let's own that. We can be arrogant that we can see the absolute right path to go down. Right. Um, but I think it's important for people to remember that, you know, we're usually just in service of whatever positive change we think needs to come next. But it's so frustrating when nobody wants to come along for the ride. It's so yeah. frustrating. So it's very frustrating. Painful. It's commercial time. Human resources is supposed to be about humans. I mean, it's right there in the name. But when your hiring team is more like an assembly line glued to their computers, manually posting heaps of jobs everywhere they can think of, that human part feels nowhere to be found. This is a new era. Pando IQ takes the mind-numbing copy-pasting and nerve-wracking guesswork out of the job posting process. When you plan a hiring campaign with Pando IQ, you tell us who you need. Then, before you ever spend a cent, we predict what it will cost to find them. Pando IQ chooses the ideal recruiting sites from thousands of options, targeting the ones your next great hire frequently visits, then fires off your ads at precisely calculated times, surfacing the most relevant applicants for you to pick from. Now you're free to get to know the best talent, build great teams, and take care of your humans. Pando IQ will do the rest, so you can get back to doing what the computers can't. For more information on Pando IQ, go to pandologic.com that's pandologic.com it's showtime okay so this next excerpt comes from an episode called 
win friends and influence budget and was number two of a five-part series we dropped earlier in September with Amy Butchko. Now, I know that TA leaders are probably tired of hearing me talk about building a business case. Eh, too bad. Understanding your worth to the organization and being able to articulate that worth is where we've fallen short for decades. But you gotta know, I do it with love, as this will bring you a bigger voice in the organization and also give you an opportunity to leverage more budget. Case in point, this next segment with Catalyst Amy Butchko, Director of Talent Acquisition Solutions for SAIC. Amy went to one of the strongest positions in the organization, the Chief Revenue Officer. And this next segment is a great example of how catalysts break down a problem and connect the dots to a solution. Enjoy. In getting this done, you went to the CRO. Were you looking to try to win friends and influence people uh, for more budget? Uh, what was that whole, what was the reasoning behind that other than to show them that uh, one of the reasons why we have issues getting people in the door is because of this piece of shit tech that we have? How, why did you do it? To increase candidate flow and improve candidate experience. So was it budget you know, though? Were you trying to win budget from them and show them how bad this thing was? I was. Okay. I was. Well, I was also trying to get them to understand that they were making an investment in something that was terrible. Yes. And, you know, so like you're spending money over here and and this is not a little amount of money. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot it's hundreds of thousands of dollars no matter what you buy in this in this environment once you get to the enterprise level. Right. So you're you're talking about big bucks and you're going to have to spend these big bucks to make, you know, to get a compliance system. You're going to have to get, you know, you're going to have to do it. So what we were looking to do is say, okay, if you're going to spend this money, we think we can help the company do this more efficiently. We think we can help you do it more effectively. And we think that we can make a lot of impact with getting a lot more candidates through the door. I used to, um, at, at the time, I was a department of one. So that's also changed a lot because my department's much larger now. But, you know, as a department of one, you know, I would get these messages. Why am I not getting any candidates? Why am I not getting any applicants? And, you know, and I would, you know, I would just feel like the, the pressure, just, you know, like the constricting around my neck. And I'd be like, I don't know. You know, I go into the system and I'd be like, wow, well, you know, the system, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and, and the jobs didn't get posted and nobody can find it. And, you know, and there's no answer. And, and the vendor is like, has been acquired three times and we don't know where they are. So, you know, so, so it became like this whole just swirl of bad customer service, of things going wrong at the wrong time. And, still making an investment that was far disproportionate. And then also on the other side. So remember when you're trying to get applicants, you can, you know, one of the answers is to throw money at it, right? You buy more ads. That's, that's what companies do and have been doing for decades. (laughs) And then they throw money at them and then they, and then they push them into a shitty process. And those people, they don't finish or they just keep applying over and over and over. So you've, you've pretty much paid for that candidate like six times over. Yes. Yeah. It's a leaky vessel. Right. And so what we were trying, what, what the pitch was, was that we can fix this leaky vessel 
if we find the right system. Uh-huh. And once we patch up this leaky vessel, you know, one of the other things that's that's happened that's a very tangible outcome that I, d- I didn't know about. I mean, I knew we were going to be able to, you know, plug the holes and get more applicants into the bucket. I knew that. What I didn't know is that, you know, we were going to be able to quadruple our applicant flow and not really increase our advertising budget at all. Amazing, right? <laughs> That's been static for years. Like my whole tenure, it's, you know, it's up, yep, we'll just keep doing the same thing. It's working, it's working for us. You know, and now we're able to be a lot more strategic because we know that, you know, when folks are coming to us as applicants, we know that they're going to have a reasonable experience getting in the door. Now what we're working on and we actually um, put people through some training this year with the talent board to help us with trying to improve our candidate experience from apply forward. You know, so we're working on that stuff, but that's not system stuff. That's, that's a lot of people stuff along with the system stuff. But when you, when you go back and look at the system stuff, the return on investment has been so clear that, you know, now the cool, one of the cool things is, is that when somebody from my team or I goes to one of our, our partners around the corporation, we have a fair amount of credibility, you know, because nobody's looking at talent acquisition going, why can't you bring us candidates? And, you know, because even though candidates are, you know, it is a, it is still a tight, it is now a very tight market. People are looking for work. And if you are looking for work and you're interested in us as an enterprise, you know, we're going to get you into our process. Listeners know that I am so damned sick and tired of hearing companies talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion without demonstrating hiring outcomes, being transparent about their workforce composition, without showing diverse employees climbing the ladder through promotion, and numbers around retention of underrepresented populations. Not to mention, fucking vendors are constantly slapping new acronyms on platforms like they're the damned magic bullet or something. Well, this excerpt comes from a little episode called Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton, who is now the VP of Talent Acquisition and DEI at Textio. Needless to say, Jackie cuts through the bullshit and talks pointedly about the real DEI barriers and how TA needs to open its eyes. Enjoy. And so if we can make make it easier to find diverse talent, then we can incorporate more diverse talent. Sure. Yeah, but Jackie, I, I'm just not convinced that corporate America really wants to be diverse. I mean, such a cynic. Do they really want to be equitable? I mean, seriously, we put Whitey on the moon in 1969, but we can't figure this shit out. So for me, you take a look at the DEI training segment, right? It's like a $9 billion industry. it's, It's fucking enormous, but we don't see outcomes coming from that, from the hiring, retention, promotion, any of that stuff. So, I mean, I don't personally believe corporate America wants to be diverse. So that seems like an uphill battle for you, even though it's the cool thing. It's the cool thing. I don't believe that's what they want. Do you? No, they don't. And and the reason that I say that is because we're able to find the talent so quickly. So what's the problem? So I don't understand why there's still an issue. And that's what we started looking into. Well, I started looking into years ago of what's going into it. And that's what's so interesting, I think, about like when we talk about the podcast with inclusive AF, like we look at some of these issues, like what's really the barrier. Right. And 
I think that diversity and inclusion, all the people that are participating in it, one of the challenges is you get this nice to have a dream from your C-level executives, right? Right. But they didn't even talk to talent acquisition (laughs) at all to see if it's possible. Because they never do. For example, there's a place that is not nowhere near Texas, but their CEO said they were going to increase by 30% of people of color, but they only have 5% in this city, 5% people of color. Yeah. So how are you going to do that? Where are these people coming from and what are you going to do? I mean, even more, we've already seen the gap when human resources went from nurturing personnel to protecting organizations and taking the human out, but they take the human out in diversity and inclusion because it becomes like they look at these like people as as items, you know, as widgets instead uh-huh. of understanding what goes into it. So I think people want to, but they just don't understand what it takes. It's like, you know, what to expect when you're ex- ex- expecting. Yeah. Remember, like yeah. we all have yeah. kids. Right. And then you read the book and you're like, oh, is that so going to happen? You're like, yeah, there's no conspiracy here to say, oh, you know what? We're going to tell everyone we're going to up it by 30 percent and hope that no one checks us on that. You you think it's more like they just don't know. They, they, don't say, know. they say what they think is the right thing, but they don't mm-hmm. really think about logistically. How are we going to do this? That's right. Which means they're not serious. Because they don't, they'll say that they want to have diverse talent, but what they don't say is we need to evenly distribute the power around our organization. Right. Right. Or they'll say, oh, we're diverse because we have 50% female. But if you look at what they pay out in salaries, I bet you that's not 50%. Oh, no. Male, females. Right. Such a cynic. So, so, well, (laughs) it's hard not to be a cynic because these companies aren't transparent. They don't actually show their workforce composition, number one, right? They don't show their, their pay equity. Uh, They don't show any of that stuff. And they could do it in large groups. They don't have to do it in a a person by person, you know, basis. They're not being transparent with the market itself. And that's, it should be step one. That absolutely has to be step one. And and I should say, I should back up and say, I think that people want it, but they don't want everything else that comes along with it. It's one of those, we have to slow down in order to speed up. What comes with it though? You have to, you have to admit your shortcomings, your failures, you know, you implemented maybe a company culture that wasn't the best, oh, yeah. you know, and it takes away, especially understanding that you're going to bring in conflict at the very beginning, because people don't think the way you do. It's commercial time. Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? There's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. It's showtime. I'm ending this episode with a crazy story from a podcast that dropped in February titled To Check or Not to Check. So we hear some pretty amazing stories off mic with our guests in the green room, 
But the best on-mic story, hands down, goes to Kim Jones, Senior Director, Enterprise Talent Strategy, and Instructor at UC Irvine. And no, this is not a true crime crossover. And there is a learning objective, I promise. Enjoy. First of all, I will tell you, I appreciate the education that I've had, but nothing prepared me for how humble you have to be knowing that you stand in judgment of whether or not someone will get hired. I I have taken that very seriously. And when I worked Mm -hmm. for Raytheon in particular, especially for the Polar Services Program, 20,000 people applied for 1,400 jobs. It was normal that in a hiring season, I'd have 100 background checks that came back with some type of discrepancy that I had to consider, a lot of which were criminal offenses, um, lewd and lascivious act against a child under the age of 14, where a guy did prison time, um, was paroled, um, violated his parole and had to go back and finish his prison time. And then the question, have you been convicted of a crime? He said no. And when I spoke with him, he said he he didn't remember going to prison. I, I would remember that. And the fact that he answered no. So this risk that we are risk adverse or risk mitigation, mm-hmm. you have to take that very seriously. One of the situations I shared with Chad mm-hmm. is um, a gentleman that I actually worked with at the South Pole who, you know, years later killed his wife. Did you say the South Pole? The South Pole. When I worked for Raytheon. <laughs> like literally the South Pole? I completed a six-week deployment to Antarctica. Holy and I cow. was fortunate enough okay. to go to South Pole for three days. That's and awesome. so the um, science lab manager, uh, like I said, some years later, killed his wife because he was in a relationship with a new person She was coming to see him and he did not want the girlfriend to know about his wife and he killed her. The wife's family sued the previous employer saying that they would have never met. And so there was this allegation of negligent hiring because he had a previous conviction for a pretty serious felony. And what they found was he had transferred from one contractor to this new organization that was a contractor. They didn't do a background check. And if they had, the offense that he had been convicted of would have precluded him from employment. And you worked with this dude at one time? I sat next to him um, during a recruiting event. And then I, I met with him while I was at South Pole because he had some questions about what we were doing with a hiring process to hire technicians. For, I think he managed the science lab. So I was honestly tell you, I was creeped out after um, the story surfaced. And I'm like, I remember sitting next to Al Baker with his, you know, silver gray hair braided back in a ponytail. The fact that you, you killed your wife and wrapped her body in a tarp because you didn't want her to know about your new girlfriend. And then also knowing that he had a previous felony conviction And if a background check had been performed, that scenario would have been avoided. So this type of story is exactly what Joel's talking about, that this this happens. And and this is this is grotesque. It is gruesome. It is it is incredibly horrible. But that then sets a precedent for high levels of risk mitigation 
and impacts, directly impacts, back to my story, individuals who can't manufacture drywall in an area where they can't find people to for these positions. They can't yeah. find people, but they don't want people with felonies. So there's this overreaction that happens yeah. that everybody could perspectively be, you know, a, a, a serial Antarctic killer. Uh, so how do we manage this? It's rooted in good decision making and good policy. So this can't just be a knee jerk reaction. Organizations, your C-suite has to have trust in your HR leadership team to create policies that support responsible hiring and employment. It's not a clinical if one plus one, two You need a solid infrastructure around how do we collect information and how do we evaluate it. And that process for evaluation has to be done with a great degree of common sense and some wisdom. So so to your point, if I need to hire people to hang drywall, do I automatically reject every person with a felony or do you, you rely on having a really good HR person who understands how to evaluate how to have um, conversations with people. I will tell you to a certain extent, the spirit of discernment, you know, when somebody's lying to you about whether or not they're truly remorseful. I've had had every version of a story. I've had a guy tell me who had been convicted of domestic violence. You know, I won't fight anybody at work because I only fight my wife. (laughs) Oh my God. So it is this balance of good policy and good HR professionals. If you don't have both, you are typically an organ. You may be an organization who does not manage this well, but you have to have good policy and good HR leaders. The combination of the two is critical. Was that not crazy or what? Okay, so I hope you've enjoyed my top five picks of 2021. Now remember, these were just excerpts of much longer conversations. Not to mention, we've published 43 interviews in 2021 alone. So go to chadcheese.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and binge it up. Needless to say, 2022 is going to be one hell of a year. So continue to tune in as we dig for more golden moments like these. Thanks again to all of those who have taken the time to join us on the show. And thank you for joining us on the ride, listeners near and far. So Wash, out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? A podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses. And not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. 
You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.